Welcome back and thank you for joining us today for our Healthline 3, a special half hour dedicated towards improving your health, maybe the health of someone you care about. And today we are exploring the world of weight loss. And if you're like millions of Americans struggling to find a safe and effective way to lose that weight, I'm sure our guest today can really shed some light on ways to shed those pounds. We're excited to be joined today by Dr. Jim Barnes, the Chief of Staff at Christus Highland Medical Center. Dr. Barnes, thanks again for joining us. Thank we really you. appreciate it. And uh, two, we really want to stress the fact that this is a great opportunity for those that don't know about Healthline 3. For you, our viewers at home, if you're watching, if you maybe think that what do I need to know about this? Give us a call at 318-219-4569. Dr. Barnes is going to answer your questions and completely free of charge too. So Dr. Barnes, again, we are talking about bariatric surgery, such an important thing today. It's, I feel like for millions of Americans, as I mentioned, it is tough. They've a lot of people throwing their hands up. They have those new year's resolutions. Some folks feeling maybe they failed when it comes to losing weight, but bariatric surgery, I feel like, offers them a, such a unique way to overcome those weight loss challenges. Can you tell us about that? I can, yeah. That's And and what you said is, is interesting. You talked about people feel like they failed, and, and we see that a lot. People come in, and, and we're talking about surgery for morbid obesity. So this is people that are about 90 to 100 pounds or more over their ideal body weight. Those are the folks that are generally candidates for surgery. Um, and I tell you, these people come in, and, and they do feel like they failed. You know, they've, they've tried every diet, and exercise plan under the sun and um, and have not been successful with it and and the reason for that is that is that with morbid obesity diet and exercise really just don't work I mean this is this is a different process than somebody that's 20 pounds overweight I mean yeah. this you know when, when they reach that morbid obesity stage um, it's just you know it's it's just rare to be have a long-term success without surgery and so people come in feeling like they've you know failed all this stuff and 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 uh, you know we deal a lot with people coming with a lot of guilt and shame over that and 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 you know what we tr what we tell folks and try to get them to understand is that you just haven't had the proper treatment yet for what, for obesity, for morbid obesity, sure. uh, because the proper treat from, for that is surgery. And we you know surgery works; it works well for the vast majority of people, uh, and it's the correct treatment for this disease process, not just going on a diet or joining a gym. Absolutely. And before we talk about the the prime candidates for this type of surgery, I'd like to talk about the mental aspects behind it too. When you feel like you've gotten to the point where you failed and so much guilt is riding on you, the individual, but oftentimes, you know, whether it be the diets that we're eating or something like that, I'm sure genetics also has to come into play. So maybe you're not always to blame for your weight. Yeah, and, and there's so many factors in obesity, and um, and obviously part of it uh, is a significant part is what you're eating and drinking and the calories in that, and and that's you know one of the big things that we we uh, work on. But uh, but there is a, a certainly a genetic component to this as well. And you know if you put a hundred people in a room and fed them the same diet every day, some people are going to gain weight, some people are going to lose weight, and some people are going to maintain. And so people processed foods differently and so you know the, you know people that are overweight um, you know a lot of times it is a genetic component to that as well absolutely okay we're gonna be talking about who qualifies but we already got our first caller on the line I knew it wouldn't take long dr. Barnes uh, very popular guy in the weight loss world so Deborah we have you on the line Do you have a question for dr. Barnes yes I certainly do um, I have a hiatal hernia 
And I had been checked before and wanted to, I looked into weight surgery and they told me back in that time that it was almost like having open heart surgery because they had to repair the hernia to be able to do the, um, you know, the weight loss surgery. And I wondered, is that is that still a part of it, that you have to have that repaired to be able to have the weight loss surgery, or can you just have the weight loss surgery? Yeah, that's a great question. And we actually see, uh, hiatal hernias are very common in obesity. Most people that are overweight have some degree of a hiatal hernia. Uh, and, and for those that don't know, that's a hernia in the diaphragm. So, you know, the diaphragm goes across here. It's what separates the chest from the abdomen. And when you have a hiatal hernia, that opening in the diaphragm where the, the esophagus comes down to the stomach is bigger than it should be. And it allows the stomach to kind of pull up into the chest a little bit. And so we see varying degrees of that. But most people that are overweight have that. It usually causes symptoms of heartburn reflux that sort of thing um, right and when we do the surgery most of the time we fix the hiatal hernia so it's actually pretty standard with any bariatric surgeries we will usually do a hiatal hernia repair uh, and honestly it doesn't really add much to the recovery if anything uh, you know because it's right in the area where we're already working and you know we do these and we're going to talk today a little bit about you know the robotic operation that we do now um, and um, but certainly, it, I would not, I would not compare it anywhere in the scale of, of an open heart surgery. You know, this is done through through you know several little tiny incisions, uh, done with the robot. You know, usually just an overnight stay in the hospital. Most people are back to work in a week or two, um, and that's including if we do the hiatal hernia repair. Uh, in these operations, people that have reflux disease, that's usually gone after surgery. That usually takes care of that right away. I have had this problem for well over 20 years. So, like I said, when I did check into it at first, that's what it was. It was going to be a very uh, intrusive surgery. Yeah, and it's really just not, that's not the case now. And one of the things we do with that's everybody right. before surgery is we're, we would do a scope on you uh, as an outpatient procedure. and We always do that just to kind of check out the stomach and, and then we'd be able to see uh, if you have a hiatal hernia and how big it is so we can sort of plan for that when we do the surgery. But uh, it's very common and uh, I certainly would not let that deter you from looking into this. Right. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for your call. Yeah. Thank you, Deborah. We really do appreciate our viewers giving us a call. And great. Like a great example there of kind of what this is all geared for for Healthline 3, clearing up your questions, getting them answered, and pointing you in the right direction so you can get healthier. And uh, I, I think it's fascinating too, Doc, who qualifies versus who doesn't. We're not talking about people who may be five, six pounds heavier. These are people with a uh, substantial amount of weight. So talk about who would be the prime candidate for bariatric surgery. Yeah, so we, you know, obviously weight is the first thing we look at. And what we actually use more so than even the weight is the, the BMI or the body mass mass index and that's a ratio using your height and weight together because if you just look at weight you know say somebody weighs 250 pounds well if they're five feet tall then they're morbidly obese if they're six foot four then they're not morbidly obese at 250 so the weight in and of itself does not does not uh, say at all so we look at the body mass index which is a ratio of your height and weight together so that's where it starts and then 
you know, there's other criteria we have to look at, and uh, you know, obviously we have to look at insurance coverage and, and see if you have coverage for the surgery. Uh, we have to make sure that you don't have any medical reasons that might, you know, make it, you know, not safe to do surgery, and that occasionally comes up, not too mm -hmm. often though. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, you know, any psychiatric factor, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we delve into as we uh, start working people up for surgery. Okay, fantastic. We got our second caller on the line right now. Allie, do you have a question for Dr. Barnes? Yes, I do. Um, I actually had gastric bypass uh, done on February the 23rd, and I'm down 40 pounds. Um, nice. But this has been a very big struggle for me. Um, I have a food addiction, and yesterday being Easter, I messed up big time and was very sick last night and it reminded me of why I do not mess up from my diet. <laughs> so um, I'm really wanting to know, can you mess up your surgery, um, you know, at some point or how many mess ups before I really, really mess up? Um, yeah, and that's a great question. I mean, obviously you have to, you know, there's some diet changes that have to have to occur after surgery. And if you don't follow, uh, you know, the diet that you're supposed to be doing, or if you eat too much or too fast, you know, you've got a much smaller stomach after the surgery and there's only so much room in there. And so, um, you know, if you push beyond what the capacity of that stomach is, then you know your operation is going to remind you that it's there for a reason. Now, you know it, it's unlikely that you've done any any permanent damage, especially once you're out. You know we worry about that mostly just in the first week or two when things are still kind of healing. But you know once you're out a little bit from surgery, it's not likely that you're going to do any permanent damage. Uh, and hopefully it'll just kind of be a good reminder next time when you sit down to a, a, a dinner like that and kind of think back and remember, okay, well that didn't go so well when I, when I you know, ate this before and you know, you know, remember to kind of dial it back and you know, smaller portions. And it's a little bit of a learning curve, you know, nobody does it perfectly, everybody you know, has a few you know, problems here and there. Um, um, but you know, most people learn very quickly what, you know, how much they can eat and, and, and you know, how fast they can eat it and what types of foods work best and all that. Uh, but you know, it sounds like you're still pretty early out from your surgery, and so uh, you know, it just takes some time to kind of kind of get the hang of all that. Right. I'm very glad that I had mine done, um, but you know, I've also been in therapy for a year before the surgery for food addiction, and I'm continuing to go to therapy and journaling. You know, whenever I binge, and um, you know, my doctor knows all about that. So and it's. It's just a tool, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it, you're exactly right. And it's great that you're doing all that because because you're right, food addiction is a big part of this. You know, most people that are morbidly obese have some degree of a food addiction. That's just kind of part of it. And so, you know, one of the things we do before surgery is is we do a psychiatric evaluation on every patient and, and uh, you know, the counselor will talk to you about some of that stuff on the front end. Um, and then, you know, we work with people in the office as they come back for their post-op visits and talk about that sometimes and then uh, you know some people continue to see a therapist after and I think I think that that's also very helpful so uh, I'm glad that you're doing that as you kind of kind of you know work through this new stomach of yours here that's great and I, I'm really enjoying watching you I watch you all the time on um, the 
three. So I'm really glad that y'all are doing this and let everybody get informed about this. Thank you very much. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. calling in. Our pleasure, Allie. And that's kind of what we're dedicated for, for Healthline, is improving our lives. A great opportunity for you at home uh, to listen to what Dr. Barnes has to say. If you have questions, you can pick up the phone, give us a call, just like our callers have been doing at 318-219-4569. So no such thing as stupid question when it comes to our health. Now, I'd like to kind of dive back into the mental aspect of things, uh, Dr. Barnes, and I think uh, she brought up a great point when it comes to the diet. Once someone has bariatric surgery, does that mean that from now on it's nothing but fruits and veggies and power shakes, or do we still kind of have that... Um, I, does it still allow us to eat some of the foods that we love? Yeah, it, and it does. And, and, you know, the way the diet works, initially, it is very restricted early after surgery. You know, you're going to be on liquids for about six weeks um, as things kind of heal up. But then we start reintroducing foods back into your diet. And we have a, uh, you know, we go through this extensively. Every time a patient comes back for their, you know, next post-op visit, we go through the new diet with them. Um, eventually, people get back on most foods again and most people end up eating regular foods it's just going to be less of it now people do tend to make better choices after the surgery and and uh, uh, you know we encourage all of that but uh, uh, you know you're not just on you know protein shakes and and raw carrots the rest of your right, life you know, yeah you're going to eat regular foods just just less of it and the other thing we see especially with the gastric bypass um, is it really decreases your intake of, of sweets because it decreases your craving for sweets that's a big part of how the gastric bypass works and also you're not going to tolerate sweets very well you can eat a couple bites of something but if you eat a big snickers bar it's probably going to make you a little bit sick and so mm. it sort of uh, you know deters people from the sweets. so that's probably the biggest change afterwards okay fantastic thanks for answering that dr barnes we have our next caller on the line <coughs> gerald do you have a question for dr barnes yes okay go right ahead yes yes dr barnes I had uh, open heart surgery uh, uh, last uh, April, a five artery bypass, and uh, um, after that, September, I, I caught COVID, and and I and I have a hernia. Am I a good candidate for a patient? I mean, for a surgery? Um, it, it kind of depends, uh, I, but I think it certainly doesn't exclude it. You know, one of the things that we do. Um, you know, part of part of my job in getting people worked up for surgery is to make sure we're doing this as safely as we can. And so, somebody that has any sort of cardiac history, whether it's a you know heart attack or hearts open heart surgery or or, or stents in their heart, things like that, we're going to have you evaluated by a cardiologist and um, and make sure that they feel like your risk for surgery are acceptable. And sometimes they'll do some additional testing. They may do a a stress test or something like that just to make sure that they're comfortable with the surgery but um, but um, most people uh, uh, you know that have those issues we can we can usually get them cleared for surgery but we will work all that out beforehand just to make sure that we feel like everything is is safe so um, and then the COVID COVID such a you know there's so many different outcomes from COVID and there are some people that that have ongoing trouble and symptoms with that and so if you have any like breathing issues from that for example uh, we'll probably get you seen by a lung doctor by a pulmonologist and 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 not only to clear you for surgery but make sure that we've sort of maximized everything as best we can uh, to um, you know to make the surgery as safe as possible 
right, Gerald. Thank okay, you for your call. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for the information, too. You bet. No thanks problem. for your call. One thing I, th I find fascinating <coughs> with this, as opposed to other surgeries, it doesn't seem like if you do have a pre-existing medical condition that you're automatically disqualified. It sounds to me that you and your team try to jump through as many hoops as possible to make sure people can get this surgery if they qualify for it. Yeah, it's actually almost the opposite. You know, we, you know because we see those medical issues, so many of them go away or improve after surgery. And so... You know, sometimes when people have, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure and sleep apnea and heart trouble and trouble with their joints and, you know, all these things, um, yes, they do slightly increase, you know, potential risk of surgery. Um, not as much as you would think, though, honestly. Uh, but that also makes there so much more benefit from surgery. Because sure. when you talk about doing an operation and then people can get off of their meds for their diabetes and, and you know, just off, you know, you know, people come in, I see, and I see this all the time, you know, people come in taking, you know, five, 10 different medications every day. And, you know, uh, shortly after surgery, all they're taking is a multivitamin. And, wow. they, you know, we get rid of all that stuff. And, and you know, you see that all the time. So people are, are again, so much healthier afterwards that, that uh, when they have those medical problems, it's actually kind of all the more reason to do the surgery. Wow, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Feeling better, yeah. getting our lives back on track for a lot yeah. of these people. Um, well, okay, I've waited long enough to talk about the technology. That's one of the best parts about this for me. I always kind of go a little crazy with that, but it really is, when you say, taking uh, the state-of-the-art technology and bringing it into, um, I guess, oftentimes the operating room, you got some pretty amazing things at your disposal here. Tell us a little bit about some of the tools that you use uh, for some of these operations and how that makes all the difference. Yeah, it really, the technology is just, you know, it's way beyond my level of understanding. <laughs> I, you know, the people that develop this stuff have brains way bigger than mine, but, uh, um, but, but we do all these operations robotically now, which is, um, you know, sounds very, you know, science fiction. And, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, and for years we've done them laparoscopically, which means, you know, several little incisions and, you know, me standing up at the table working through those little holes, watching it up on a TV screen as we're working. And we did that, you know, I've been doing them that way for, you know, over 20 years. Mm. Um, but, but we've, a couple years ago, we switched over to doing them robotically. And so what that means, because people don't, you know, have different understandings of that, but, but we still do it through several small incisions. Um, but instead of me standing at the table doing, moving the instruments around, the robot is at the table now. And so the robot, you know, is wheeled up to the table. The instruments are attached to the robotic arms. And so the robotic arms are moving the instruments inside the patient. Now they're controlled by me still. So I'm over in the corner of the room. We have a, a separate console where I sit. And then through hand and foot controls, I'm controlling the robotic arm. So it's still, every movement that's made is still my movements, um, but they're mimicked by the robot. And so I've got my hands in here. And so if I, if I turn my wrist like this, then the instrument that's in the patient will turn like that. Wow. Or if I'm, I got a pair of scissors in there, if I do this with my fingers, then the scissors will do that inside the patient. And so, um, again, it's still me controlling everything, but we just have so much more precision doing this way. We have a 3D image through the, through the camera that we're looking at everything in there. Um, and it's just been a huge, and I was even a little skeptical at first because the laparoscopic surgery was a great operation. And I was like, okay, how's it gonna get better than that? Yeah. But it got better than that with robotic surgery. Uh, not only in, in our precision doing the operation, 
but in terms of the recovery afterwards. And we've gone from patients being in the hospital for two nights now to one night. Um, wow. Recovery is faster. Uh, people have less pain afterwards, uh, and so it's just really an, an amazing technology that we're really excited about. It certainly is. Uh, I can only imagine. We'll, we'll talk more about that tech in just a little bit. Yeah. It really is some fascinating stuff. Love talking to Dr. Barnes about the technology. But we do have Ann on the line, our next caller. Ann, what's your question for Dr. Barnes? Uh, Dr. Barnes, I had uh, uh, Dr. Barnes, I had uh, gastric bypass about 30 years ago. Dr. King, it, I'm wondering, you know, is there a, I've gained weight back and I'm sure it's due to stress, but can you, can you, can you redo it or modify to, to, uh, to get it? I, I guess I'm asking, can you reduce the stomach size again? Right. Okay. Um, and that's a great question, um, and there's a lot of different answers to that question. Um, and, and we see this sometimes. You know, I, I told you this is a great operation for weight loss. It's not 100% because nothing is. And so we do see people that over time have gained some weight back. And so um, one of the things we do initially is, first of all, I need to just, just determine which operation that you've had done because 30 years ago, they were doing gastric bypasses then, but they were also doing a lot of other operations as well. And so, um, and they all kind of sometimes get lumped into the same category. So we have to figure out what operation you had done. And we usually do that by doing a scope to check out what's going on inside your stomach. And then we can decide where we need to go from there. Sometimes there are surgical options to do a revision where we can um, uh, correct whatever's going on there, in there that's not correct. And, uh, and, and get people where they're, you know, get back on track losing weight, you know, surgically. Sometimes it's not a surgical answer. Sometimes everything, you know, we'll do a scope and everything looks pretty okay in there. Um, it doesn't mean we can't help you work on weight loss because we can still usually be very successful with that. It's just not with an operation. And then we'll work with you in the office, um, whether it's through, through medications that help, working with you on your diet um, uh, in terms of you know what stuff you're eating and drinking and, and give you some you know better choices and suggestions there part of it too is just sort of getting back into a program again and you know when people you know get out of ways and sort of you know, aren't following up anymore sometimes it can sort of get away from you a little bit because you don't have anybody kind of keeping an eye on things and so part of uh, you know, getting getting back on track is just coming in on a regular basis, and it just adds some accountability to it. It keeps it a little more keeps you a little more focused on it, uh, and I, I think that's a big part of it as well. So, uh, people that have gained weight back after bariatric surgery in the past, we can we can almost always help them uh, start losing weight again, get back on track. Sometimes that's with an operation, uh, sometimes it's not, and that's just you know something we can look at with each person individually when they come in. All right, thank you for your question, Ann. We do appreciate it. We got about seven minutes left in this helpline. Thank you again, Ann. And uh, I wanna make sure that we get all of our viewers' questions. So pick up the phone if you have a question for Dr. Barnes, maybe some weight loss questions that you have, and if bariatric surgery is right for you, 318-219-4569. Get those questions in. Again, about seven minutes to go in this segment. So Dr. Barnes, I, Ann brought up a very important uh, topic right there, or at least idea, and I love the fact that 
you and your team do this. It's not like folks have the surgery and they're out the door and you forget about them. It seems like you build um, not only a relationship, but kind of a goal for them as well and help them on that track, coming up with a plan, what they should and shouldn't be eating, possibly when they should and shouldn't be eating. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, and that the aftercare um, I think is just as important as the operation because yeah. you're right, if you just do an operation on somebody and then and then send them out the door, uh, you know, a lot of folks are not going to do as well that way. And so uh, the aftercare is a huge part of this, and we, we, we realize that, and we have a, a, a big follow-up aftercare program on these folks, and we see people very regularly afterwards, uh, especially through the first year or two. It gets less frequent as you get further and further out. Um, but that's a big part of it in, in terms of making sure people are, you know, on track with their diet. We check, you know, labs to make sure there's not any nutritional issues, uh, make sure they're taking their vitamins like they're supposed to. And again, like I said earlier, it also just kind of adds a level of accountability too. When you're coming in on a regular basis, sure. you, you're just going to be more focused on it and you're going you're gonna to do better with that. And so, uh, so that's a big part of our program. Most people are very good about coming in, uh, you know, especially in the first couple of years. Um, um, and those that do, do better. And, and so I think that's a, a big part of, of the program. Absolutely. Now, we know it's 2022. It seems like everything comes with, uh, with a heftier price tag nowadays from the gas station to uh, what's going on at the grocery store. I know some folks are watching at home saying, I just don't know if I can afford this. Is this something that insurance would cover? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and it is most of the time. Now, it's not all insurance companies, but the vast majority do, and I would say 95% of the operations that I do, we do through insurance. Wow, And so most commercial insurance uh, companies do cover bariatric surgery. Uh, Medicare covers bariatric surgery. Okay, and so, that's great news. Uh, so we take that as well. And, I, you know, I, they have kind of learned over time that in the long run, it's better for them too. And, you know, insurance companies are mostly financially motivated honestly and so Absolutely. and so they're going to look at that but what they realize is that when people have bariatric surgery lose this weight get off their medications get healthier the 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 cost of their medical care goes way down and so wow. you know um, you know in a very short time um, the the cost to the insurance company is less in the people that have bariatric surgery so you know most of them do cover it um, and uh, you know, some are easier to deal with than others, but that's that's what we do. You know, we deal with insurance companies all day, every day, and so we will, uh, you know, help patients, you know, kind of navigate through that and tell them what all they have to do, and you know, we deal with all the stuff and getting the surgery approved and all that. Sure. But most of the time, we do this through insurance, and so the cost is really not bad. You know, it depends. You know, every policy is a little bit different, and it depends on where people are with their deductible and their maximum out of pocket for the year. Uh, and all that, but uh, you know, it's you know, commonly it's you know less than a few thousand dollars. Sometimes it's not anything if you know people have really you know met their deductibles and things. So yeah. um, it's usually not uh, cost prohibitive. And I find it great the fact that too that. Um, like you brought up too, with the cost of medicines nowadays for folks that uh, may be morbidly obese, taking five, six medicines a day over the stretch of uh, their life, they could be shelling out a lot more not getting the surgery, yeah. so to speak. So. And, it, and it sometimes will prevent people from having other surgery too. Like people, you know, wow. we see this with knees a lot. You know, people that are overweight have bad knees yeah. usually because it's just all that pressure, you know, walking every day. 
And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, people come in and they have a lot of knee pain or sometimes they'll be referred by their orthopedic doctor mm. saying, well, they need their knees replaced, but they're too heavy to do that. And so we'll do their surgery and they lose the weight. And a lot of times just taking that weight off is all they needed. And their knees get so much better that they don't end up having to have their knee replacement surgery. You know, we done. hear it all the time. People that say, I wish I would have done this sooner. Yeah. How yeah. many times do we hear that in life? And, you know, I tell people not to beat themselves up over that. I mean, you get yeah. there when you get there. Everybody's everybody you know uh, you know gets there when they're ready and and you know sometimes I mean I've 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 done this operation in in teenagers and I think the oldest person I've done was 77 Wow and so we see a really wide range of people and and you but you're right I hear that almost every time I wish <laughs> I'd have done this 10 years ago 20 years ago uh, yeah but you know we can't change that you get there when you get there and and uh, and uh, that's fine that's a great point well for folks watching at home if you do have some questions for dr. Barnes once Healthline wraps up here uh, momentarily where's a good uh, place that uh, potential uh, I guess patients can find you, Dr. Barnes. Where yeah, can they get so, those questions? And so how that works, we, we do a free seminar every uh, every Tuesday morning for new patients. Great. A uh, small group, six or eight people each week. And so if you're interested, uh, the first step is to call the office. And that number is 798-4433. Um, and they'll kind of make sure with your weight that you're going to probably qualify for surgery. They'll verify your coverage with the insurance company to make sure that that uh, that that's you know that the insurance does cover it, and then we'll get you set up for a seminar appointment. You'll come in, we'll do a small group, we'll spend 30, 40 minutes just talking about the operations and and what we do, and then I meet with each person individually after that, and we come up with a treatment plan specific for each person in terms of what operation we're going to do, how we're going to get there, um, and what that looks like. So so that's kind of how it starts. All right, and we know it's going to finish with you living a healthier, uh, lighter lifestyle, no doubt about that. Well, Dr. Barnes, we really do appreciate your insight today, and uh, best of luck with everything going on there at uh, Chris's Highland Medical Center, too. I know you've been a very busy man. I have so. been. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Let's give your phone number out one more time for sure, folks watching. Sure, it's 318-798-4433. All right, for the best in bariatric surgery, he's the man to talk to, him and his hard-working team. Dr. Barnes, thank you again, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks. That was our Healthline 3. We'll have much more coming up later today on KTBS News.